0: Circle, yes we rotate. Three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. Three hundred and six, three hundred and six, three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. This week on Full Circle, we will hear about three days of actions centering on the Antioch Police. On tonight's show, we'll hear an update on a court case where the Racial Justice Act is being applied by attorneys. We'll also hear an in-depth interview with the family of Angelo Quinto as they prepare to launch the Angelo Quinto Foundation with an event called End the Cover-Up Excited Delirium. We'll also get an update on where and when local actions will be happening next week. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Free and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And tonight we'll be sharing a couple interviews that stem from actions involving the Antioch police. First up, I'll be speaking with attorney Carmela Carmagno. She is looking to apply the Racial Justice Act to a case she is working out of Antioch that involves the Antioch police. Check it out. All right, this is Freewell and Franklin on Full Circle here on KPFA. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And coming up next, we are heading back to Antioch, California, just about 30 miles east of the San Francisco Bay, where the local police are caught up in a racist and misogynistic text message scandal. And as we speak, nearly 50% of the Antioch Police Department's about 100 officer force are caught up in this text message scandal. With many of them on paid administrative leave, these text messages were not only racist and sexist; they were also openly bragging about violence committed against the community, the community mainly the black and brown community. Some of those messages joke and make light of violence they committed on the community, saying things like, I kicked his head like a field goal. Other messages called for violence against the mayor of the city of Antioch, who is a black man, and with one officer offering to buy a steak dinner for any other officer who would shoot the mayor with a non-lethal beanbag type round. Organizers in Antioch with Reimagine Antioch along with other organizations, are gearing up for two days of action next week to take place on the steps of the Superior Court in Martinez. Joining us now to talk about a particular case surrounding these upcoming actions, as well as this text message scandal, is Carmela Carmagno. Carmela Carmagno. Carmela is an attorney and she is bringing another motion to the court, citing the Racial Justice Act. And like many of you, I'm not a legal expert, but fortunately, Carmela is a lawyer and is here to educate us on the Racial Justice Act, as well as why this is important for us to be watching. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us, uh, Carmela Carmagno. Thank you. I appreciate this uh, working out. Thanks again. Um, well, first, can you give us a brief summary of this case you're involved in, how it's connected to or even revealed this text message scandal and why the Racial Justice Act applies both against the DA's office and now the Antioch Police Department? Uh,
1: thank you, Franklin. The, this case, uh, I represent Tarion Pugh, um, was... The case in which uh, we received a rather landmark ruling in California striking the gang special circumstance allegation, which had been alleged against the collective Ford uh, individuals who are who stand accused. The initial Racial Justice Act motion that was filed addressed what we'll call disparate treatment of African-Americans in the criminal justice system uh, in the charging decisions that were made by the district attorney's office. And after extensive evidentiary hearings, the court found that African-American men were up to 44 times more likely to be charged with um, gang special circumstances. And as a result of that disparate treatment, of our clients, the court struck that special circumstance enhancement. That the Racial Justice Act, which allows us to show this sort of disparate treatment is a tremendous tool uh, that is now in the arsenal of the California courts to allow them to root out systemic and structural racism in the criminal justice system at all levels, both policing in the courts and in the district attorney's office. The most striking difference of the statute from prior remedies and tools that we've attempted to use is that in order to show systemic racism, we, we were not required to show that there was actual or intentional discrimination. Oftentimes it would be impossible for us to meet the burdens which had been previously been imposed through federal statutes of showing purposeful discrimination. This current motion, which is a separate motion from our previous one, uh, which addressed statistical disparities between our clients and other groups, alleges that the police at the policing end there was actual racial animus uh, under California Penal Code Section 745A1. Uh, The previous action was under California Penal Code Section 745A3. That was uh, statistical analysis. This case uh, is based solely on the text messaging as evidence of actual uh, racial animus, and that's how uh, the Racial Justice Act has applied to this case. The reason why we gained access to uh, the text messaging, uh, as I understand it, uh, is because of a criminal investigation that is being undertaken with regards to certain officers associated with the Antioch Police Department. In the course of that investigation, which the FBI is involved in, At least three officers' personal cell phones, um, search warrants for those phones were obtained. And it was from those personal cell phones that the district attorney's office discovered this text messaging between the significant number of Antioch police officers involved in the scandal.
0: And just to be clear, um, a lot of those messages contained uh, the N-word in multiple forms. They were referring to the black community as gorillas, monkeys, water buffalo, and a lot of other words I, I can't use on the air. So we talked about this a little bit earlier off the air. So what is the importance of these remedies or these judges' decisions under the Racial Justice Act? and why are those remedies important despite the fact that some of these cases may involve allegations of serious crimes?
1: So there are multiple reasons why the Racial Justice Act is so crucial to restoring and remedying uh, systemic racism within the criminal justice system. And one of its main purposes is to restore the integrity of the entire judicial, criminal judicial process. And it's important because although we have recognized uh, the existence of racism within the criminal justice system, the previous tools that we had were ineffective in actually creating the type of change and accountability that is necessary to root out racism in this system. Um, th- I will expect to have an expert uh, who will testify about how the law historically has supported racism uh, throughout history, um, not the least of which was Jim Crow. So the tools which we had previously were ineffective. They did not do what was necessary to root out racism in the criminal justice system, as we know from uh, a lot of the movements uh, that we've had, uh, particularly the impact of racist policing on African Americans in this country. So the difference is that the Racial Justice Act provides a robust set of remedies, which includes dismissal or reduction charges or special circumstances, regardless of the underlying facts that might justify the outcome. And this approach is necessary and consistent with the stated purpose of the statute to restore integrity to the criminal justice system, because they are necessary to protect certain values like the need to ensure the legitimacy of a state institution that has the power to coerce and incarcerate individuals. And that value, that need to restore the legitimacy of the criminal justice system for all segments of society eclipses the competing values inherent in prosecuting any individual case. So this is what's necessary to produce the type of accountability and change that we're seeking in this country when it comes to racial justice.
0: And when you present this evidence to the judge, do you anticipate getting some of the Antioch police officers that may have sent or commented on those messages on the stand?
1: We have subpoenaed uh, many of the officers and it is my hope and my desire that they honor the uh, subpoenas and that I do have an opportunity to, uh, put them on the stand and question them on Friday.
0: All right. And I don't want to like get into your strategies, but what would you ask an officer that, you know, has his name and the Medi data in the phone records shows that he sent a text message calling people an ape or a monkey and then made jokes about it. You know, what do you do with that?
1: well franklin i'll tell you what show up on friday and you'll you'll see what i do with it i really don't want to uh discuss the particular questions on the air
0: i understand all right let me get this from you while i'm here because um, you've provided important clarifications tonight on why this is so important but while you are here can i just get your professional opinion and you know as a lawyer that's been in the game for a while on how this text message scandal and blatant racism that has been brought to light through this investigation in Antioch. How big of a deal is this, that what is happening here in Antioch? Um, In your opinion, how does this rank in its, you know, for lack of a better word, its terribleness uh, with other police scandals elsewhere throughout the state or the country?
1: Well, I can't speak for the country because I I don't keep up on all that news, but um, in, California, I think it is up there if it doesn't eclipse the writer's scandal, the rampart scandal. I mean, it's about as as uh, significant, I think, as it gets.
0: All right. All right. Again, that's the voice of my special guest tonight, uh, Carmela Caramano. Help me. Caramano. (laughs) Caramano, Thank you very much. And uh, she's been speaking to us tonight about a Racial Justice Act motion that she'll be bringing um, to the Superior Court in Contra Costa County next week, Friday, July 21st. And while I have the the listener's ear for a moment, I want to um, remind everybody and let you all know that um, Reimagine Antioch, full disclosure, myself, I am a member of Reimagine Antioch, um, will be having some actions around this racial justice act case, as well as another action at the court. So let me go through those real quick. And that would be officer nut, former Antioch police officer, officer nut will be arraigned on his charges of assault by an officer under color of authority. And that was when he uh, attacked a young man that was, you know, suffering maybe a panic attack was kind of scared to um, get into a car with these officers and the man was beaten by Officer Nutt, which violated the department policy on use of force. And he was terminated for that. Um, but he will be being arraigned July 18th at the Superior Court. That's a Tuesday. And reimagine Antioch, along with other community folks, will be outside the courthouse at 1230. And we'll have a short rally on the courtroom steps, uh, the court steps, and then we'll head into the courtroom around one to pack the courtroom. So that's July 18th. Gather at Superior Court in Martinez, 1230, that's 725 Court Street in Martinez. And then as you heard earlier in the week, um, and you'll hear again after this interview tonight on Full Circle, um, the Angelo Quinto family is launching the Angelo Quinto Foundation, and they're going to kick off the launch of their foundation with an event called End the Cover-Up Excited Delirium. So they'll be exposing um, the junk science of excited delirium and have experts, uh, including assemblymen, uh, Assembly person. Mike Gibson, who's going to be presenting a bill, I believe it's AB 360, to end the use of excited delirium as a medical term describing anything that has to do with someone's death, whether in police custody or not. So that's the Quinto family event. That'll be July 19th, 2023. That's going to be at 2151 Salvio Street in Concord. And that's going to be the offices of NAMI Contra Costa. And then again, we've been speaking um, with Carmela (laughs) Caramagno, and she will be presenting a Racial Justice Act motion. That's July 21st. And we'll be gathering in front of the AF Bray Courthouse in Martinez at 8 a.m. And I believe the case is called for around 830. We'll wait for the. for what happens in the courtroom and we'll wait outside and hopefully uh, the press will be out there. We'll have a press conference and maybe we'll get some words um, from Carmela as, as to what the judge, um, I know he's not making a decision, as you said, but you know, we'll see how the day went or how the morning went. Is there anything you'd like to add as to the importance of, you know, like we talked about earlier, Keeping these systems of power in check using the tools like the Racial Justice Act whenever possible.
1: Well, it's the only way we're going to effectua- effectuate the change that needs to happen.
0: All right, <laughs> I hear you. There's, we got to do something out here, and um, we're working within a system that has um, systems in place. And right now, we um, you know have to work within that system, and this is just one of the tools. Well, I appreciate you for speaking with us, um, Carmela. Thank you very much for your work and for, you know, trying to do something about what we've discovered. Well, I think a lot of us have known, but what has now come to light, and um, that is the blatant racism within, I would say, you know, personally speaking, law enforcement in general, um, just from its roots and its creation. But now that we can see, you um, especially in certain areas and places where the text messages have come to light. And we also see that this investigation to Antioch has spread out into Pittsburgh, um, Oakley, and um, it's getting bigger all the time. And this is just the tip of the iceberg because we have not yet seen the majority of the um, text messages and the ongoing investigation. And um You know, it spans way up the ladder in Antioch. We know that the president of the APOA, it's the Antioch Police Officers Association, their union is Rick Hoffman, and he is out um, for his part in the text message scandal. Again, uh, Carmela uh, Carmano, thank you very much for um, helping us out tonight, understand the Racial Justice Act and its importance.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Franklin, and everyone else who's giving uh, an opportunity for voices to be heard about the change that needs to happen. We appreciate it because, you know, we've been trying for, you know, throughout my career uh, to see the kind of change that we now have a hope of happening.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on KPFA Radio 94.1 FM. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. You can check us out on KPFA.org. I am your host tonight, Feeble and Franklin, and you just heard my interview with attorney Carmela Carmano. She was speaking about a case where she is applying the Racial Justice Act. We also got a short update about up actions to be held regarding the racial justice act case and the text message scandal involving the Antioch police. We will post links to all the details of the upcoming actions on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Now, after this music break, we'll hear from graduate apprentice Sarah Blanco with an in-depth interview with the family of Angelo Quinto, the young Navy veteran from Antioch who was killed by the Antioch police in late December of 2020. Next week, they are launching the Angelo Quinto Foundation, and the kickoff event will be End the Cover Up, Excited Delirium. So stick around for that. But first, this music break this is G. Yamazawa and Power Struggle with their track People. It's off the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All EP.
2: From my people, we see you from down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from mama to the gray, from my people, we need you from down
3: south to the bay. So 30 years old, the Navy
4: veteran, kind, intelligent, whole life ahead of him, a victim of violence, inflicted by cops. System demands that you're silent and watch another brother get shot or knee to the neck. Serve and protect sounds more like a threat by the boys in blue. So we sing these blues, build and move to abolish this crude and corrupt.
3: mother they keep killing our folks this is for the families of the victims they broke this is for the people they gun and choke i can't breathe last words they spoke from my people we see you from down south to the
2: bay from new york to l.a from mama to the grave. from my people we need you from down south to the bay from new from
3: mama to the grave
2: From mama to the grave We blossom through pain like flower and vase Like sparkling daylight star splitting through the dark The drama of a life Most of us just trying to work through the stage fright Yeah, how many lives they gonna take? Like, write it off as mistake Like, get your take right it's why when we talking race It's something we don't take Like, all 50 states dealing with similar case Like, Get your pace right they in your face, like, yeah. We gon' make it real clear we ain't going nowhere. Yeah, we all still heroes. From my people, we see you. From down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from mama to the gray From my people, we need you. From down south to the bay, from New York to LA, from mama to the gray.
5: Right now for this segment, segment producer Frank Sterling and I are going to try to tell the story of a life, the life of Angelo Quinto and how he lives on. Angelo was a young Navy veteran and much, much loved member of his family. On December 23rd, 2020, Angelo's family called 911 when he was having some mental health challenges and the family independent investigations are indicating that his death may be attributed to the police the coroner's inquest cites excited delirium as that cause we're going to have a discussion with the family of angelo quinto about his life his death and some of their tireless work for justice so i want to first welcome the family angelo's mother and father cassandra and robert welcome to flashpoints
6: thank you very much sarah
5: Also, we have Angelo's sister, Bella. Welcome to Flashpoints. Hi, thank you so much for making the space for this. Joining us now is Assemblymember Mike Gibson, who is working on a bill on the topic of excited delirium.
4: Thank you very much for having me. And to the Angelo Quinto family, good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Gibson. What we thought we'd do today first is we're going to start with a clip of Angelo while he was alive. Here, Angelo is alive and walking and and discussing his life.
3: I wanted to uh, build something, you know, and well, that brings me to here today. I am out just kind of hiking, just checking out the scenery around me. I moved back to the Bay Area, but I didn't want to move back to Berkeley. I wanted to be close to my family, but far enough that I felt like I felt isolated but close enough that I could see them and boy I tell you these past few months have been just so busy like busier than I ever thought that I was gonna be um, more driven than I ever thought I was gonna be uh, more inspired than I ever thought I was gonna be it was nuts I'm um, supremely grateful I know I have a guardian angel watching over me, but, you know, this time I've moved out. Finally have a car. I am uh, back in the game development, and I'm just inspired again.
5: That was the voice of Angelo Quinto while he was alive. Vibrant loved one gone too soon anyone in his family want to say anything else about the beauty of angelo while he was alive
2: yeah thank you um thanks for playing that clip i am his little sister uh 12 and a half years younger um, and growing up i i did always feel the love from my brothers from him and i always knew him to be really you know, multifaceted and interested in so many different things that meant he was very artistic and enjoyed all kinds of creative, uh, activities. Um, he enjoyed cooking a lot. And recently, um, he really liked fishing and, uh, he was also just really smart and introspective. And I feel like that was something that really defined him. Too, his ability to reflect and, and always be learning um, about himself and about life. Um, and uh, in another part of that video that that clip was taken from, he talked a little bit about the Navy and how that wasn't a closed chapter in his life. And I know that that was something that truly meant a lot to him. His experience, um, his short experience while there and um, what he gained from that uh, was really meaningful to him. Um, and overall, I see just as a brother um, and a family member, at least, really. somebody that really, really believed in the people that he loved, and he loved uh, very strongly. <laughs> um, and those are just some of those, those things that I would love for him to be remembered for.
5: Thank you. Thank you for sharing the spirit of his life.
2: Yeah.
5: And so... With that beauty, I I am now, though, going to describe what happened to Angelo Quinto. And the following can be triggering for some. Uh, December 2023, 2020, Angelo's family called 911 when Angelo was having some mental health challenges. When the Antioch police arrived, Angelo was being held by his mother, Cassandra. And the police officers on the scene then took Angelo from his mother's arms and proceeded to place him face down on the bedroom floor. They then placed Angelo's arms and legs behind his back and knelt their body weight on him. This continued for several minutes until Angelo became unresponsive and stopped breathing. When medical personnel arrived on the scene, it said they tried life-saving procedures. Although they revived a faint heartbeat, Angelo never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead a couple of days later at a local hospital. The results of the coroner's inquest and the family's own independent investigation are all just staggering to hear. Let me start with my sincere condolences for you all and thank you for the continued work that you're doing despite this tragedy. I do want to ask first, before we get to the assembly member, if the family can explain a little bit about what your independent investigation and your lawyers have found with regards to excited delirium, specifically as it relates to Angelo.
6: Yeah, thank you, Uh, Sarah. You go ahead. Okay. So um, the the family did hire an independent pathologist um, because the first thing that we had heard is that if they have nothing else, they will blame it unexcited delirium. And sure enough, in in Contra Costa County, the um, person who's responsible for making the determination as to the cause of death is the share coroner. And uh, about eight months later, he did decide that the cause of death was an accident due to excited delirium. Now, in subsequent depositions of the pathologist, not the family's pathologist, um, Bennett O'Malu, but actually the county's pathologist. The county's pathologist has kind of come around and and basically is stating that asphyxiation is really the most significant cause of death and that although excited delirium still plays a role, it is not the major role of what killed him. Um, However, the sheriff coroner has not changed his determination as to what killed Angelo, and his death is still ruled an accident due to excited delirium. As a result of that, the family has filed a lawsuit against the sheriff's corner in an attempt to get the court system to uh, clear up the issue, and that's going to the courts in Contra Costa County.
5: And so that was uh, the family of Angelo Quinto, and we want to talk next to California Assemblymember Mike Gibson. Mike, again, thank you for joining us. Can you start out telling us what is Excited Delirium?
4: Thank you very much. Um, Really appreciate being on the show. And to the Quinto Collins family, uh, you guys continue to be in my prayers. And um, as a result of this, we've become closer. I feel like I'm a part of the Quinto Collins family and appreciate their remarkable um, strength. Um, But they're challenging all of their pain and anger into changing the trajectory and making sure that no other family has to experience what they are experiencing. And so excited delirium. Um, and the term, it's made up. It doesn't exist. It's, 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 uh, it's a fraud. Uh, it, it's, it's a catch-all for bad behavior of law enforcement. When you look at the root of how it was actually created, it's, it's offensive. It's absolutely a slap in my face as an African-American. Um, it was made up by a deputy medical examiner's office in Florida. Um, And this was over 20, 30 years ago when they concluded that when you mix uh, drugs, specifically cocaine and sex, uh, especially around black women, they concluded they died from what they call excited delirium. And this has just been a catch-all to be used by law enforcement to cover up bad doings. And so when you look at uh, those who don't, Embrace such uh, rhetoric, such lies. The uh, American Medical Association said it doesn't exist. You know, it's debunked. We look at the American Psychiatric Association said it doesn't exist, or the World. Get this: the World Health Organization saying excited delirium is not medically, scientifically substantiated by any facts or any data to conclude what law enforcement, or in this case, the medical examiner's offices or officers and coroners are concluding that a person died from. Um, And this has been used primarily for when people are placed in custody at the hands of police officers. And so what this bill does, my bill, um, Assembly Bill 360, it says that you can't use this term because it's not backed up by any fact or scientific evidence to conclude what they're saying they concluded to a medical examiner's office.
5: Thank you for sharing that. Can you tell us about the three main restrictions or the main restrictions this bill would implement, please?
4: The main restrictions are that it can't be used. It cannot be used in any way, shape, form, or fashion by which someone can conclude, a medical examiner's office or a coroner can conclude that a person died. It can't be placed on a death certificate as a cause of death, bottom line.
5: And then why was this bill important to you?
4: Because of a tragedy that made its way to uh, my ears of a United States veteran by the name of Angelo Quinto, who died a very horrific death. When you just heard what he said, he said that uh, an angel was watching over him. Then he also said he's inspired because um, when he came home, dealing with all that he's trying to adjust. He came home writing a new narrative. He was inspired to move forward and do positive things while even uh, trying to address the mental illness that he was dealing with. But he said he's inspired. And this may seem kind of crazy. I'm inspired based on what the Quinto family had to endure in order for us to get to a point where we are right now where this has risen to my level where I can make some things happen. I can change some things and we wanna change the trajectory and the landscape here in California. Um, And it's because of the Quinto Collins family is the reason why they have pulled me into this narrative that we must not only fight, but we need to make sure that no other family has to experience what the Quinto Collins family had to experience. We need to make sure that no other family has to fight like they're fighting, uh, because the groundwork and the foundation has been laid to change the landscape of California. Uh, when you look at, you know, George Floyd, when you look at, you know, the policies I created banning chocos, positional asphyxia, um, Assembly Bill 1196, which I authored, when you look at, you know, the bill that I tried to move through. Um, Assembly Bill 1608 dealing with sheriffs should not oversee coroner's office to have influence in the determination. When a medical examiner's office concludes and affix their signatures, you should rest assured that that's how a person died. It should not be influenced by a sheriff that oversees a medical examiner's office or coroner's office. We should not have that influence. We should not. They should be set by themselves. They should um, not have uh, their superior telling them, well, they didn't go to medical schools. They didn't go to forensic pathology schools to conclude what the cause of death may have been. And so why should they oversee the coroner's office? And that's what Assembly Bill 1608 was seeking to do. We were unsuccessful, but, damn it, we're not giving up. We're looking at other ways to— to making sure that the landscape in California um, is changed moving forward. We want transparency and accountability.
5: Can you tell us where the bill is now, what's happened recently, and what you expect to happen?
4: Sure. The bill is an appropriation, and I would simply say to um, highlight and underscore that this bill has received bipartisan support. And it's great that I have Republicans and Democrats supporting the elimination, if you will, uh, the prohibition on the term excited delirium. So this bill is right now in appropriations hands in the Senate. And we are motivated, one, that this bill will get out of Senate appropriation and get on the floor where it will have the debate that it needs to have. But at the end of the day, I believe this bill will pass the state Senate and get on the governor's desk, and the governor will sign this bill into law. And I'm sure that the Quinto family, the Quinto and Collins family will continue to be there at every heartbeat, every movement that this bill makes through the legislative process. They'll be there, including and not limiting the governor's office will hear from this family because they they have heard and they know the name, Quinto.
5: Thank you, yeah, thank and you. then um, yeah, if I may address the family, you. can you talk about your part?
6: Well, I just, uh, you know, you can see the, the passion and we, we are just so fortunate in our misfortune to have run into violent advocates like, as I don't remember Gibson, who, who is, as he was saying, we feel the same way. We're so close because we've been fighting together now for, uh, for two and a half years. And um, we try to play a role, whatever we can support or uh, tell the story. And I, I, just, uh, I, I just can't say how meaningful it has been. You know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to go through. Um, but what brings you back to the fight and back to trying to make changes is the community, the community involvement. And when you get all the way to uh, to Mike Gibson's level uh, on the assembly, and he is such a champion uh, for changes, every year bringing multiple changes uh, to this environment. And I've got to say they're smart changes. These are changes that I think are common sense. Excited that the entire medical profession agrees it doesn't exist. So thank you, Mike Gibson, for bringing this forth and passing this with Republican votes. That's amazing and it's testament to how um, um, to your leadership. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure to working on AB 490 with with you and uh, AB 1608, although that did not pass. But um, thank you for, uh, uh, for, uh, for, for keeping Angelo's name alive and for letting us tell the story and help in any way that we can to pass this courageous piece of legislation. I just, I just really want to say that because it's, it's, it's really helped us in our process. And um, uh, we just really have, have found the, the most amazing ally in Assemblymember of Gibson.
5: Thank you. And that was Robert, the father of Angelo Quinto. And so we're discussing AB 360, a California bill that would prohibit excited delirium from being recognized as a valid medical diagnosis or cause of death in this state. Assemblymember, you had mentioned AB 490, which has already passed. Can you give our listeners who haven't heard about it an overview of of what that is?
4: Yes, thank you very much for the question. Um, 490 came out in um, 2021, and this bill will ban police officers for using this technique uh, that basically restricts the blood flow to the brain, causing one unconsciousness and then leads to death as a result thereof so in the city of los angeles when we had a racist police chief by the name of chief daryl gates um, and police officers were uh, using what they call the choco and the choco did similar it just depends on the positioning of the technique that's being applied and they applied it incorrectly and the chief of police at that time he's dead now He said that black people just had thin necks when applied with a chokehold. And when you look at positional asphyxia, it can be often uh, mischaracterized as a chokehold, but it's not. It's still applying pressure, whether it's oxygen to the brain or blood flow through the brain. It's still, if it's applied incorrectly, it leads to death. And so I want to make sure that 490 was banned. Um, it's never taught. It's no longer taught in our police academies. Um, and it's not uh, even used or should not be used when police officers encounter individuals they have to place in custody and they're trying to restrain them. And I just want you know, just simply say that, one, I think Robert Collins said this, that uh, we want to say his name. But we not only want to say Angel Quinto's name, but we want to also say Oscar Grant's name. We also want to say uh, Miles Hall's name. We also want to say uh, Christopher I singer's name, Breonna Taylor, and so many others who have died in this way. And so we're moving California forward. We're holding everybody accountable and also creating not only accountability, but also transparency um, when it comes down to individuals encountering law enforcement. We want law enforcement to want to make an arrest if it's justified, but we also want to make sure that people have their day in court. And how they have their day in court is that they live to see it. Thank you,
6: Anything you- I don't know if I can add to it, but- Just I would just like to mention that AB 490, which restricts positional holds that lead to positional asphyxia, California is the second state to ban that. Uh, 48 states have no law that I know of that bans that. And then the law AB 360 that's hopefully about passed, banning excited delirium and similar things, um, Now California would be the first state in the union uh, to ban that uh, practice. So I just wanted to give that context
4: and we know that when california does something other states follow
5: and then just briefly i know you have a limited time with us assembly member tell us a little bit about the bill that didn't pass i believe it was 1608 you had mentioned it but is there end? and is there anything else similar on the horizon
4: 1608 was was dealing with um removing um, sheriffs from overseeing coroner's offices again as i articulated and we need to bifurcate them. We need to separate them. Sheriffs should not be overseeing because they're not qualified. And I want you to underscore what I just said, qualified. They are not qualified. They have no medical training um, sufficient enough to oversee a department that they're not qualified to render a, a, a determination of a cause of death. And um, when you have that, first of all, the County of Los Angeles did away with that because they also realized that a, a sheriff could, and let me say will, have influence when it comes down to a questionable uh, encounter in, when trying to explain someone's passing when dying in the custody of law enforcement. And so the 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 wisdom that the county board of supervisors did was to bifurcate um, the coroner from the sheriff's department and the coroner's office stand alone. Uh, They report to the board of supervisors, all five board members and not just one sheriff. And so we that element has been taken away. And we've just simply said that it should be that same uh, disposition for all um, the 58 counties in the state of California. Because the bill didn't pass, we still have the status quo. where We have sheriffs overseeing um, coroner's office, and I would say the determinations of how that office is, is ran and the conclusions um, that a medical officer um, or coroner's office uh, rule on the cause of death
5: and then assembly member gibson is there anything else you'd like to add i know i'm going to stay on with the family and you're welcome to stay on but i know you might have to run anything else you'd like to add for listeners across the nation or for the family
4: i just want to say that um you know i just wish i would have known angelo quinto personally because i just feel that we would have gotten along very well uh but thank you know his parents and bella his sister uh, for one, being a champion for so many families. You don't know the, the energy you pull in, put in and the sacrifices you make off and down this state on your own dime coming to hearings. It makes the difference. You are standing up for other families. You make sure that other families don't have to go through and experience what, uh, what you have experienced. Um, and so I just wish that I would have known, but I do know Angelo Quinto. Even though I've never met him um, personally, because I hear Bella's voice. I hear his mother's voice. And I see his mother' tears that she shed all the time. And I see, uh, you know, Robert um, and the tenacity leading this family um, and being a drum major for justice uh, that I am forever grateful to see them and to work alongside them in accomplishing this goal. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank
2: you so much, Member
5: Gibson.
4: And thank you, uh, Sarah, for allowing me the opportunity to be part of this great show and and be part of this listening audience.
5: Thank you so much, Assemblymember Mike Gibson for joining us here on Flashpoints. We'll be watching what happens next and um, hopefully we'll have you back for another update.
4: I look forward to it, thank you.
5: And so we're still gonna be connecting and talking to the Quinto-Collins family. I'm Sarah Blanco, your host, and so that was assembly member mike gibson representing the 65th district is championing ab360 um, a bill that is uh, trying to make sure that excited delirium doesn't go anywhere near a death certificate or anywhere near a diagnosis in the state of california and then they're hoping for other states to follow as well so We've talked about the quinto collins family and we have uh robert his father and i know um that mom is there as well cassandra and we also have sister bella um but there's so much more to know about what this family is doing they have worked tirelessly to bring justice for their son angelo and the community as a whole so to bring justice but healing as well to the community as a whole, locally in Antioch, California, the city where Angelo was killed. They have fought alongside local activists and helped in the achievement for a variety of things, Um, in the achievement for the city police to get body cameras. Family has also uh, along with you know city officials, but they've instituted the first non-police emergency response team to 911 calls for service um, in our area. I, I'm gonna have you speak a little bit more about that. It's known as the Angelo Quinto Crisis Response Team. So can someone talk to me first about this Angelo Quinto Crisis Response Team, AQCRT, it's super exciting. Not a lot of places have it. Tell us about what you know about what existed in just in California or in the county, um, and what what it does.
2: Thank you. Yes, um, I can start with that. So this um, response team is something that the community has been uh, asking for for a very long time, and um, we we uh, made that one of our Requests as soon as we came out with Queen Angela's story, um, we well, I expressed personally that I wished that I had a different number to call. I didn't know if there was anybody else that I could have called, um, and my dad I felt was too far away at the time. And I truly believe that if I had known about the resources such as Nami Contra Costa and you know, now this crisis response team at the time, and if it were in place and functioning, um, I, my brother would be alive today. So this response team is still dispatched through uh, the 911 dispatchers, and they still do get accompanied by police. There's a lot of work still to be done, of course, but they are trained professionals who um, understand how to deal with the mental health crises in a compassionate and effective way. Um, we hope to see this grow and evolve to become as culturally competent, responsive as possible, and um, also just as you know effective as it can be. So that is something we're looking forward to. And we've heard some good things about some calls that they've, they've brought on. So we are very hopeful for that to continue to evolve um, and progress. Uh, Dad, do you have anything to add to that?
6: I would just add that, um, you know, of course, it's great to hear Senator Member Gibson, and we appreciate him so much and, and what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I just want to make sure that we understand that, you know, as Bella was saying, these are things that the community has been asking for for a long time, way before Angelo died. And so what we really did is just join people that were already trying to effect these changes, like in, uh, you know, in Antioch's. Uh, as Senator Monica Wilson was trying to effectuate the change of the non-police mental health response teams. So we're just very happy that we've been able to add a voice. Um, and as the as Senate member Gibson was mentioning, there are so many names that it's always difficult for me to figure out where to begin, even if you look at a community like Antioch, or if you look at Contra Costa County. Um, but we can't forget that there are all those names. So there are all these injustices that have been committed before, Angela, and after. Um and it's really about uniting with the community and seeing what changes can be made. I think every change that has been made um, is a change that was, I mean, frankly, a common sense reform. Um, that once it actually passed, it was it wouldn't be controversial anymore. Uh, but we're just in this situation where some of the changes tend to be so polarizing, and so I think I think we just need to continue to work together to to see what common sense reforms we can carry out. Uh, and I think everything um, that has been done has been like that. But I, I just want to also mention the other families, because we've worked really uh, closely with the families of Oscar Grant and Miles Hall and, and many, many others, you know, in, in, in many of these things. So uh, apart from so many brave legislators that have joined and, and uh, put uh, some political capital to work for these reforms um, that have been carried out. There's still work to be done with the, uh, the Andrew Kingdom uh, non-police mental health response team, but it's a really, really important step forward. Uh, that and body cams and positional asphyxia, you know, I think we, we have been fortunate or unfortunate in some ways that, that these abuses have been going on for so long, but th- but those are really, really key reforms. So thanks, Sarah.
5: Thank you so much. And then in the uh, final question, Talk about the kickoff of the Angelo Quinto Foundation next week.
2: Yeah, thank you. And Dad, thank you for adding um, all of that. So, next week on Wednesday, the 19th of July, 2023, we are having our official launch of the uh, Angelo Quinto Foundation, where we sort of organize our work and, and move forward with it, with uh, Nami Contra Costa as our fiscal sponsor. And we are also going to be discussing the unscientific roots of excited delirium, as Assembly Member Gibson previously, you know, covered a bit uh, with guests such as Assembly Member Gibson going a little bit more into detail about that. Someone who worked hard on a report that was really comprehensive, done by PHR, so Physicians for Human Rights, nationally. Um, and then we also want to talk a little bit about the need for independent coroners and sheriffs. So, again, like um, Assemblymember Gibson touched on. This is going to be our very first event as the Angela Foundation. And we are really hopeful uh, for future events to be as comprehensive and uh, have a good turnout. <laughs> is that and where can
5: ask? people follow
2: So you can definitely find this information on our Instagram and Facebook. So our Instagram is justice for Angela Quinto and our Facebook group is justice for Angela Quinto and the Angela Quinto foundation. And you can also find it uh, currently on our website, justiceforangelaquinto.org and look out for the official Angela Quinto foundation website on the date of the launch and this is going to take place at the nami contra costa offices at 2151 salvia street concord and via zoom uh, at bit.ly slash capital aqf0723 and again that's july 19th um, and that will be at 3 30 pm
5: um, that was the voice of Bella, sister for Angela Quinto's sister, and that was his father, Robert. And we've been talking about um all of the successes that many, many collective families across the nation, really, and their loved ones and their spirits have been working towards, and a variety of different uh, crimes against against humans and uh, people who interact with the police. I want to thank you very much for joining us today and hopefully we'll have you back after your launch to hear some more updates. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Sarah. All right, bye-bye for now.
0: And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. A big shout out to First Voice graduate, Sarah Blanco for that interview. You can hear that interview along with a host of others at the Flashpoints Archives from the past two weeks where Sarah Blanco has been filling in for Dennis Bernstein. So that's July 3rd through July 14th. Check that out, the Flashpoints Archives. And remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show. We will post a link to all the events we mentioned tonight as well as the link for the justice for Angelo Quinto justice for all EP and shout out to the full circle crew. Miss M the executive director and me Freewill and Franklin. I have been your host tonight. I'm also the technical director for this show full circle. Thanks for listening everyone. And remember while you're out there to please protect your health, and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.